Welcome to the first episode of The Paragon Path, Episode 1, Bards at Large. Uh, this podcast is designed for people that want to get to the Paragon level, but are having a hard time finding content about how to get there from level 6. Um, we're going to try to go through all the classes, talk to different Paragons, and hopefully get to talk to different Paragons from different kingdoms. Uh, this one is based out of Polaris, so if you have any questions, please hold on to them or uh, message me, Merrick, the 15th, and we'll get them answered for you if we can on the show. Thanks. Enjoy. We are recording. Cool. Okay. So uh, this is the first impromptu uh, Bards at Large somewhat podcast class thing. Um, I've decided that I want to do Amp Card podcast stuff, so I'm going to start by doing random posts, and that's how I want to start. If you all have a problem with it, deal with it. Um, the right attitude. <laughs> um, this uh, series is going to be more of a targeted towards moving from level 6 to Paragon because we have a lot of content and it's a lot of good content about moving from level 1 to level 6 and becoming you know, a, a good player of your class. But there's not a lot of that 6 and above content um, out there for public consumption. Um, so we're going to start with Bard because uh, it was very easy to rope three Bards to do a conversation when I had one and I just finished a conversation with another one and the other one's in my phone. So Well, you know, also because Bard is just what we do best. It is the best. True. Hashtag and it is Bard the best. Class. Um, <laughs> Suck it, classes. <laughs> okay. So starting off, this is a question that has been asked a lot, but it's good to go over every time. What is the main difference between a level six bard that is, you know, good and a paragon? Proton, you're the oldest. Why don't you go first? Okay. I mean, I'll go with the prettiest, but I know that's a lie. <laughs> um... All right. In my opinion, the difference between a level six bard and a paragon bard, uh, at least in Polaris, uh, you should be able to look at the field and your opponents and quickly figure out what's the best way you can benefit your team with your different spells and abilities. Since bard is such a rounded caster, either you are just all-encompassing with your abilities where you can help everyone out or you can become laser focused with your abilities uh a polaris bard well a polaris paragon in my opinion is worth four to five people on your team when you are at that level um you know how to you might not know every spell like back to back but what you do the spell list you have forged for yourself, you are a force to be reckoned with. Uh, without going greater into it, because I could actually talk about this for like 20 minutes, but I'll pass this over so we don't just hear a lot of, yeah, I agree with what Broton said, since that's happened a lot in my class breakdowns. Which were fantastic, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Um, okay, so, 
my my personal opinion on what makes a difference between a level six bard and a paragon bard is application of the class's strengths uh making up for its weaknesses and just the sheer amount of use that you put of your class onto the field for each game um so typically people who have taken the time to play bard as they're leveling up to level six will learn how their abilities work they'll learn you know perhaps a little bit about how their abilities work with other classes abilities what's good what's not what works what doesn't um whether they're an ally or an enemy <clears throat> and uh basically a paragon will be able to utilize that knowledge to the absolute maximum capacity that bard has in the game and they'll be able to show that time and time again from situation to situation no matter what's going on in the field. And they'll be able to use that to make a big influence. Um, but another aspect of Bard, simply because it is a spellcaster and possibly one of the most uh, requiring spellcasters when it comes to battlefield presence, uh, you just, you, you, you gotta rattle off spells. You have tons of per lives. Everything that you take can be doubled, and all of your spells can have massive impact on the field, whether it is giving people their abilities back, or silencing casters, or negating the influence that melee classes have in in the game. And if you're just kind of rolling around, casting a couple spells here and there, you're not fulfilling everything that bard can be and if you're a paragon you are going to be a spell machine gun so it sounds like our our overall arching idea for the difference between a level six and a paragon is that definite uh versatility and uh overall excellence all the time regardless of your weaknesses do you guys agree with that? Sounds right to me. Okay. Yeah. So that's the easy question. Now we're going to get into uh, some questions that we're going to have fun with. Um, in today's game, where do you guys see Bard fitting in the meta? Like, we'll talk first about major battle games, um, uh, large-scale battle games, and inter-kingdom battle games kingdom battle games and then at park where the, the bard kind of fits in the meta and then phoenix league as an aside because it's kind of its own little world of of meta um that happens all right where where do you want to start you just threw a lot out there okay let's let's start with inner kingdom battle games in a in a let's we're talking keep on the borderlands we're talking rackus spring war castlemania these large events that are 400 500 600 you know upwards people when you've got a battle game that is 400 people in the field where does bard fit in the meta of that that game uh in my opinion, Bard fits in the meta as the primary controller of the field. 
uh, with most command spells at their access, uh, bards in their direct vicinity should be controlling the majority of the flow of battle from who's there and who they not want to be there. It's they can support by being a battery bard uh, with uh, uh, part of the swarm to add additional spawn point, or they could be moving around with Oz, Terrors, and Loss. Uh, it's just having that much accessibility to control means, in my opinion, they move around the flow of combat for the meta. So we're shaping and channeling the way that fight goes, and we want to make sure that we are the 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 general of that fight. When we start seeing things slipping and sliding, we've got to step up and move it the way we want it to go. Um, exactly. I mean, uh, it's they're the one spellcaster that doesn't have like kill spells, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of people see that as a disadvantage, but at the same time. Where the casters out there with the actual armor and usually mid to front line, depending on the build you're running. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the main point that I was thinking of with this is that um, Bard is, you know, like, like you said, Broton, the only caster class that does not have a kill spell. We have no way to take our enemies out of the game physically um except with stick and fighting capability and so it comes down to bard being the ultimate support via leadership uh and in huge battle games anywhere that you see a bard on the mid or the front line you had better see the tides of battle being played like a symphony by that bard uh if if you're playing bard right nothing in combat should ever go wrong it should never go how you don't want it to go in your immediate vicinity because you have so much control over the game and how it works 100 percent. large battle games i think all of us have had that experience on a keep size battle game where you get to play bard and you feel like the conductor you feel like a general because you get to push and shove and and make sure that field looks the way you want it to if you start noticing that left flank is starting to fail you are not only using your own capabilities and powers as a bard but like sending people over there like hey that's weak let's go get it and then using your powers to amplify your skills of leadership um it's it's i think it's the most fun to play a bard at a large game because absolutely you work for so many people and you're not just like I am a spear. You're like I am the conductor. Um, I like the analogy of playing it like a symphony. That's a very beautiful notion of how we manipulate the battlefield. Yeah. Um, stepping down to like kingdom events, we're talking like our name is our good one. I think normally we have like fifty to seventy-five people on the battlefields on average, uh, possibly more for some of the larger games. Um, how does that change our tactics and especially how much more influence do we have on the field now that there's less people? For me, it 
only changes slightly instead of being more controlling of the direct vicinity i more focus uh on like a group of like five to eight people around me and i'm helping control their combat experience around them but i take more uh supportive spells like release and mends and stuff like that and uh some break cons just to because the field's smaller so it's like i've you have to focus smaller if that makes sense so. I'm on a point that we'll, we'll talk about a little later, but the use of verbals on such a large field becomes problematic, and we all know that. And I that'll change. I know that changes how we play our game, but we'll talk about that uh, a little later. Uh, so stepping down to kingdom level, uh, going from hundreds of people on the field to maybe a hundred people on the field, uh, depending on the event and yada yada. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the strategy is still one of control, but for me personally, uh, with my my strategic uh, capabilities and my application of them, I prefer to switch from an offensive uh, control of the field to a defensive control of the field. I, um, I have fewer people to work with, and so that makes each individual teammate on my team that much of a higher value in how they can individually influence the game but for you know a lot of classes like melee classes they don't have utility and versatility to affect the game in the way that spellcasters do so it becomes that much more important that they have the support of a spellcaster to allow them to continue through cc through wounds through any sort of magical effect or anything that happens in the battle game and so as a bard my spell list starts to weigh a lot more heavily on the side of support spells like mend and release and greater release uh, taking perhaps a heart of the swarm uh, to take a couple of seconds off of spawn time because you don't have to go back as far um, and it really just revolves around making sure that my people can do what they need to do to make their class viable on the battlefield. And so, you know, I want to be on the battlefield for longer. I don't want to die as much. In bigger battle games, yeah, maybe I've got a res bot, or maybe my team can hold the line for a lot longer because we have more people. But in a kingdom level, games can switch the the tide of battle is so quickly because there are fewer people and even the slightest change is just that much bigger so i want to make sure that i'm not dying i don't want to be as reckless uh i sometimes don't even take uh weapons to step on the field in kingdom battle games because i'm that focused on trying to make my team viable with utility that brings up a good point we're both uh <laughs> in uh sir broton's uh paragon little tree um you have a quote that a bard only needs a dagger or something along those lines you would what is what is the quote broton our uh our line is built on a dagger and that's all we need okay that's what it is there we go and i don't know many other classes that can say that and still be as effective as we can in in a plethora of battle game types um because although 
like Baldur mentioned, we don't have a technical kill spell besides stick. Sometimes, and especially in V8, kill is is less effective than CC. If you can push somebody around on the field, they're pushed around for X amount of time. If they die, they get some stuff back and they're, you know, ready to go again. Um, bringing it down to park level and there's a side section of this. How do we, once we make Paragon, how do we still have fun and, you know, challenge ourselves at a park level without ruining everyone's day? Because Bard is definitely one that can ruin a whole park day by just not letting people do things. For me, uh, when it, I'll admit, I rarely play Bard at my local level unless there's someone new who wants to play Bard. And then I will play Bard and like show them the ropes and I'll play level one with them. Or two, three, like a newer newer bard to help them go through the motions. Uh, if I am like, I'm going to play bard today, I'll go over to my champion and I'm just like, write me a list. And he, he will be like, what? And I'm like, write me the dumbest list you can for bard. And that will stretch me outside my comfort zone still. Because it's like, going out there, it's like, what was the stupidest one? Um, well, actually, I had one where he just gave me nothing but break con and a dagger and uh, shoves. Or, yeah, shoves. Which was dumb on his part, to be honest. But it when I moved over to uh, Wizard, I got to translate how great break con was into that. So it's just finding things to get you out of your bubble. So break it out of your, your traditional spell list, whatever it normally is, find something yeah. else to try. And uh, like, uh, like Boulder was saying, it's like, we're out there as like spell, uh, machine guns. It's like my, like my normal spell list. I can rattle off like nothing. It's switching spells up. It's just, it keeps you more flexible. Makes sense. Boulder. Uh, so with any class, the better you become, the better that the influence you're going to have on the game becomes, of course. But uh, with my experience and seeing how my play as a bard has influenced games that I've played in at any level, um, my personal opinion on bard is that bard is a very potent substance. Um, and the smaller the volume of the game is that you're playing, the fewer people that are playing in that game, the more concentrated Bard's power is going to be. And so, you know, like you said, it can, it can ruin entire park days because of the amount of control and utility that Bard has. And there have been some days that I have really just not made people happy because I would go an entire battle game without dying once and never run out of spells or never be able to be CC'd for more than a couple seconds or at all, depending on who's casting at me, etc. 
Um, so depending on who you are as a player and what you want to do, at park level, one thing that you can focus on is uh, one of three things. You can either focus on your fighting and try to just fight people as much as possible and try not to be much of a spellcaster in uh, battle games that day. Uh, that way, you know, it's a little bit easier for people to handle you. It's a little bit easier for people on the other team to actually partake in the game and be able to do things like spellcast or position themselves. Um, uh, second thing that you can do is try to work on your flipbook. Your bard flipbook is one of the greatest uh, things that you can build up your skill in, in the bard class. And that is all of your bard songs and being able to change between bard songs according to what situation is being presented to you. And so the faster you can do this and the more accurately you can do this, the better you will be because you can switch up immunities, you can switch up buffs. Um, and the third thing is uh, a lot like what Broton said. You know, you, you, you try to figure out a really goofy list that isn't necessarily going to break the game, uh, but might be kind of useless, but still really fun. Um, and you, you, can, you can build that however you want. So I know for... Uh, I think it was my second event as your apprentice, Broton. You gave me the requirement that for the next month I had to play with only per lives and a dagger, I believe was the requirement. Um, no recharge, no uh, per refreshes. I had to figure out how to do everything from just per lives. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely gets you really fast at saying those per lives that we have a lot of, because obviously Bard's got um, our Dervish, especially if you're not wielding, you know, a board and a sword and armor. That Dervish is super important to take, and you get a ton of spells. So if you make a per life, I think my per life spell list had maxed out Oz and maxed <coughs> out Shoves almost and then there was a couple little things in there like a little bit of release and uh insult and that was basically just it and it was cast these run through the list as many times as possible and it it, it definitely helped i didn't think it would because i was like i already know these spells but if you don't if you only have those spells you have to really get good at casting them because you're not able to defend against someone with a long sword or a great sword you've got a dagger and your words and you get really fast at being like, come on, Neon, go, get away. <laughs> um, the flip book. So, like Balder said, I'm going to explain it a little. As, as we come up with a bunch of terms, and flip book is the idea of switching from song to song as fast as possible, depending on your situation. Um, it's really important for you to know that you only have to finish the incant of the song for it to become active and then you have six seconds before you have to say the name of the song and start chanting or start singing that's a very important detail that a lot of people don't realize 
because that like that incant saying the incant for the spell for the song to start is a lot shorter than saying the incant for the song and saying the name of the song to start the chant it doesn't require that chant until six seconds comes around to maintain the enchantment um i know balder and i both cut our teeth on that pretty quickly because it, it's it's a it's all of our immunities like it's could be immune to arguably the most powerful thing that any spellcaster has access to that's i don't know if it's the most powerful thing it, it takes up more points than anything else that a spellcaster could get because if you want to have the flip book you need to have like six points worth of songs but True. you can gain immunity to anything if you're fast except enough. for dispel if you're fast enough and you switch fast enough and you can also get armor breaking you can get uh basically a, a no death like restart with song of survival um it's it's extremely useful extremely versatile personally i just don't find anything else to be as capable as as potentially powerful that's a good way to put it potentially powerful i can agree with that just it's their countermeasure to dispel bard is the only caster that doesn't have dispel but bard is the only caster that can throw self enchantments over and over and over and over on themselves yeah, I think yeah. my favorite thing happening is when someone casts Dispel Magic on you while you're singing a song, and then you just turn and look at them and start it over again, because it's it's a thing. Like, unless it was your uh, a Song of Interference, you don't have to recharge it. It's unlimited. You just start it over. Um, I'm going to go off script a little bit from what I told you, Zach. Uh, Broton didn't get this this list of questions beforehand, so he's going off the dome. Um, what are your go-to spells for, like, things that you definitely need to be good at to be a Paragon Bard? We talked about flipbooks. That's obviously, you got to know your songs, know what they do, know how to switch in and out of them really quickly. What are other songs or other spells that you really need to focus on? So... As something that was a big part of me making my way up to Paragon was including a flipbook in every single list. Now, this doesn't mean that I purchased every single bard song for every single list that I ever ran, but at minimum, I have almost never taken less than two songs. And I... Uh, 0.1% of games that I've ever played in do I not take a song at all. Um, access to these free immunities and utility as much as you want, it's unbeatable. And uh, something something that I include in every list is, is a flipbook, no matter the size. Uh, but I also do very much enjoy, um, well, I guess one, one more thing about that is, uh, if you're going to be going for Paragon and you're going to stick to the, the thought process of keeping a flipbook, 
on your lists, no matter what, and no matter what the size. A true sign of potential Paragon capability is uh, knowing how big your flipbook needs to be for each battle game and what pages you're going to put in. But other than that, I personally prefer um, Breakcon. If there's a lot of spellcasters, it's super useful. And if there's a lot of spellcasters, I almost always put that in my list. And uh, stun's really fun. You take take one or two on like pretty much any list, and you'll be fine. And uh, confidence and restoration—they are amazing. We're gonna talk about that uh, infinite battery in a second, because that is uh, a, a staple in battery. Um, but Broton, what are your go-to spells? Well, my go-to spells. I mean, I'm going to agree with Ham. Ah, <laughs> I. Uh, I mean, but realistically, Terror. Ah. Uh, uh, shove. Confidence. Uh, and then my usually like back pocket like i always have to have like one or two of these is greater release uh just it's so useful and bards and healers are the only ones get it it's like stop the fight after death uh barbarian fight stop the um uh elemental swarm uh wizard the ball wizard gotta stop those balls from coming help your teammate who's stuck too far out of range it's it's a great spell i think more people should use it i'd agree but, yeah those those are the ones i i'll stand by i mean it's nothing like flashy other than greater release they're all per lives well technically technically confidence is per refresh but it's chargeable but i am a big fan of per lives they're very easy and they're very very powerful in v8 in its current iteration where uh especially in polaris we don't have long death counts very often and when we do normally someone plays resbot so you can get some of it back and then it just emphasizes on having that uh battery bar that infinite cycle um which the infinite cycle for those people that don't know um is very simple you need confidence you need experienced on refresh and you need a buddy and song of uh, uh, power also helps but it's not required um, with that combination you can take your confidence and immediately recharge your buddies uh, uh, refresh and then that can get all of your per lives. He can give that to you and get all your per lives back, and then you do the same thing to them. And it, it's the infinite cycle of charging all the time. You only ever have to charge uh, confidence because everything else is charged by confidence or through the refresh or the the restoration. That's I think I said something else at some point, but restoration. Yeah, really the only 
use that Song of Power has in there, unless you've got a ton of people around you that are charging, is if your buddy for some reason can't get his restoration back and then cuts it down to a times five recharge and can't. Mm -hmm. Or a times one confidence recharge, which is amazing. Yeah. Song of, Song of Power is outrageously powerful when utilized correctly. Cause it is best at national and kingdom battle games absolutely uh yeah. almost zero use at park level you just don't typically have enough people who are charging stuff for it to be worth taking may as well just take some confidences in restoration i've used it a few times at et when i wanted to be lazy and i sat in the shade <laughs> yeah i mean but... if, if you if you are going to be sitting in the back line of course you know, you, you don't really have much else that you need to be spending points on. Okay, so when we're trying to step up from level six to Paragon, um, we <clears throat> talked about the flipbook. We talked about speed of spells. There's a thing that a lot of people, all, like pretty much every Paragon knows, but not a lot of people talk about, is that how much you have to know about how your class interacts with every other class on the field and that sounds like a lot of information but it it's not as bad because you have to just know generally um i know for balder and i it was running around literally the country for about two years just driving everywhere and having in-depth conversations learning how our spells interact with other spells and other classes and what we can and can't do with other classes and finding those weaknesses in builds and things like that to fix it up um what are some of the big things that you realized during your paragon path that were connections that you found out between other classes that worked really well or um, interactions between spells that make a huge difference in play Did that make sense? A little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, most of the things that we have we discovered on our way up in Paragon Bard had to do with uh, interactions within our class. But... Well, I mean, also, like, the, the interaction of Phoenix Tears with Bard songs. How does Song of Phoenix Survival, tier, yeah. Yeah, Phoenix Tears. Well, that yeah, interaction, good. but also that Phoenix Tears gives us phoenix tears and then a free use of our songs because it's you get a protection spell or you get a free protection enchantment and all uh our songs are protection yeah uh you just have to be careful when using it with song of survival because it could really mess up uh how you're how you're using that and especially with the cheese for with song of survival that we have discovered is a huge problem as well um you should because yeah so if, if you're if you're using song of survival and you go insubstantial there's nothing that says that you can't continue chanting it you you simply go insubstantial from taking a wound that yeah, would have been yeah. fatal yeah. um so you know if if anybody at all pulls you out of that insubstantial state without you saying i return to the material or i return to the physical world i return to the physical world 
and you have continued chanting, you remain in Song of Survival. And if you have Phoenix Tears, you go insubstantial and frozen at the same time, technically. And so if you're frozen, you can't continue the chant, which means if you don't die within five seconds, your your uh, your song of survival ends, and you are unable to continue it. And then if somebody you know say shatters you, because you're frozen, you don't come. You you don't get to keep that. Well, they don't. Song they survival. can't target you at that point, though. Correct? Because you are in. If you have song of survival going and phoenix tears as an enchantment and you die and become insubstantial and frozen you are the only one that can remove yourself from insubstantial without an outside force if someone shatters you they can't target you with shatter because you are insubstantial anybody anyone with release can still release you from yes your insubstantial state though yeah but that's an extra layer of weird defense yeah but it's it's still one of the main ways that people have been getting around that cheese mm-hmm. the uh the infinite life bard i think we've used a couple times now where it's you... super useful in dungeons yeah as long as the bard <laughs> and keeps singing and never stops singing song of survival and they're insubstantial and someone releases them from insubstantial uh they've never stopped insubstantial they've never stopped song of survival and song of survival states once it's been activated to save your life quote unquote it can't be activated again within the same life if you don't stop you're not activating it again you're just or you're not starting it again you're just keep it going so i believe it was an et dungeon that balder literally jumped into pits of lava and was attacking the boss until he died kept singing song of survival running back to respawn I'd re, I'd release him, as he's at at the respawn, and then he'd go back and do it again. And it just kept happening, over and over again because he just wasn't dying, technically. Yeah, and the the lava didn't deal any wounds to me. It just instantly killed me once I entered its it space. Landed your feet. Landed at its space. So I wasn't taking any wounds to inhibit me, from doing further things once I was, out of the insubstantial uh ham you asked uh if you stop chanting you can't activate song of survival again that is only if you have entered the insubstantial state that is imparted by song of survival yes it's it's a a definite weird side effect of song of survival that if you keep chanting people can keep pulling you out and basically as long as you don't get wounded in like a leg or an arm, you just keep being full back up because uh, you still retain your wounds in Song of Survival. That's an important detail that a lot of people miss. If I'm fighting Balder and singing Song of Survival and he takes off one arm and then the other arm, only the last wound is countered. So I still get my last wound refunded essentially, but my first wound is still there. I still have to deal with having a wound. Um, that's an important detail that I know a lot of early players miss on Song of Survival because it's it's a long paragraph you have to read into very carefully. Um, well, I can just tell you guys are clearly from Wisconsin since you found that cheese so easily. <laughs> that's a lot of car rides. 
That's a lot of car rides. So, from my journey, what I experienced between Bard and other classes is this. It's more or less the same journey. It's like I think every uh, Paragon uh, should be looking for is, like you said, how we interact with other classes. For Bard, it's like I always try to find the biggest disadvantage our class uh, Bard has and how to work around it. For us, it's the majority of our spells are command. So people and they're verbals. So the two classes that get sent at us the most are barbarians and monks. Mm -hmm. And when you go out there as a bard and if you just go out there with a dagger, you they assume you're a weak target. So I overcame that by actually increasing my stick by going from like I personally think I'm mediocre. Now I'm like middle of the class mediocre. <laughs> it's just no one expects a bard to be as aggressive as you should be when you're fighting someone with a pole or someone's sword and board. Because uh, if that monk's coming in, you can sacrifice an arm, kill the monk, go get a heal, or if really you just shove the barbarian into the like away and a lot of barber well a lot of people forget that when you uh shove someone you can still attack them mm -hmm. i've stabbed many of people walking away from me <laughs> and uh for a lot of classes that counter bard or can counter bard uh like barbarian and monk and paladin and anti-paladin are pretty hard counters with their resistances and immunities um but you know there's there's also like scout and healer uh and druid who can grant access to or gain access to immunities against bard as well um one of the biggest factors that will change the game for you when you are confronted with these players uh, who are playing these classes is once again your flipbook song of battle gives you armor breaking so that you can deal with that barbarian or that scout uh you know give yourself some other immunities with some of your other songs or song of survival if you find yourself in a situation where you're probably gonna die mm -hmm. it's it's definitely going back to what we said at the beginning uh a paragon is an, um, is good all the time regardless of their weaknesses they find ways around it so being able to know where that weakness is and how to defend against the weakness is is a huge aspect of it um recommended tactics uh battlefield tactics and we talked about this a little bit being a battlefield commander especially for bard matters a lot um, what are some things that you guys did or do to to keep up with battlefield tactics and, and knowing how to control the field? Because that's something that we also don't talk about in AmpGuard very well, is if you have a tactical mind, you probably know how to move the battlefield around a little better than, than somebody who doesn't. And with Bard having so much control, I think it's inherently required for a Paragon to know about battlefield tactics a little better. 
So, depending on the size of the game, tactics are obviously going to change. Um, one of the things that I did at Keep years ago, um, huge battle game, and it was a lot of corridor fighting. It was it was outside, but the the battlefield was on a path, so there wasn't a whole lot of flanking leeway, uh, other than taking other paths around. And so the main thing was to keep your front line alive. And so what I did for that game is I read the room. You know, I've got a lot of strong frontliners that need to stay alive, so I need to focus on utility for my list. But there's also a lot of range stuff going on because people want to be able to batter that front line as much as possible, and everybody's concentrated in a small space, which makes ranged stuff even more powerful. Uh, you know, throwies and arrows and stuff can just bounce around and get tons of hits. <clears throat> so you get Proprage, protection from projectiles, from a healer. You you gotta you gotta read the situation and build your spell list off of that, based on that. And so I spent the entire time releasing and greater releasing and confidencing and restorationing all the people around me, and we absolutely slaughtered the other team because the other team didn't think to do any of that while we had two or three people focused solely on keeping our front line viable. And um, for a Spring War game, it was a lot of open space. And so, you know, again, I got protection from projectiles. And because there were a ton of people, I took some utility and I picked a partner and I just kept that partner from ever being stopped. I kept that partner's armor up, and since I have pro protection from projectiles and I could sing songs to give myself other immunities, I was also pretty much unstoppable. Uh, and we basically just walked around the battlefield just as a sphere of influence, because I read the room, and I made strategic decisions, and bard is built to succeed when those types of things are done effectively Rotan? oh all right here's here's some spicy takes unpopular opinions on tactics yeah let's do it <laughs> so when you're going for paragon like if you are seriously going for paragon doesn't matter the class Bard, it, since you're all about controlling the room, don't you don't care about the other team's fun. You're there to win. <laughs> to prove that you are the best, your team's the best. When when I when I'm going for that, for tactic wise, I have two options on the field. Well, after I read my team to see what I'm working with. Then I either pick off the three worst people on the other team or the best player on the other team. Because all you have to do is crush the three worst people, then they do worse dragging the rest of the team down. Or if you pick off their best player, 
then they lose the gung-ho, which loses the encouragement for the rest of the team. And as Bard, you have the power to do that by controlling what they can or cannot do. Does someone like to move around? Cool. You are staying away from combat the whole time. Oh, you're not good at fighting? I'm going to insult you and have you fight me the whole time. Why I make everyone watch us. Demoralizing the people. It doesn't make me feel good. But at the same time, when you want to prove you're the best, that's what Paragons do. So, I agree I agree with that. You've got to kind of disregard the, te- the opponent's feelings a little bit. Um, if you're going for Paragon if, and you want if you're really yeah, trying to show off, yeah, like you've got to really show that you control the field and a lot of a lot of controlling the field is making some people have no fun. Now, if they're also going for Paragon, they should know how to counter that and be like, I need a friend or I need a different caster or I need to organize something else. If you're better at ruining their fun than they're better at ruining your fun, you're probably the better Paragon is is my balance on that if like uh i remember specifically a keep on the borderlands before i got my paragon i was battling it out with a wizard on the other side and i've met him a couple times now and he's from uh he's an annihilus he's down from um uh or he's he's in the wetlands and he's a great guy complete ass to me the entire keep during every battle game and he did a really good job of making sure i didn't do what i was supposed to do and I, I could understand from like a upstanding point, like I am getting straight up counter. This sucks. But also it was kind of amazing to watch him work because it was impressive the amount of control he had over my game. And I think that is, like you said, Broton, if you can control someone else on the field and make them control their field more and impact them without question, you have succeeded in proving like I'm better at this. It's my prime targets whenever I'm going for a Paragon is other wannabe Paragons or Paragons out there because they're out there with the same goal as me. And like you said, today I'm proving I'm better. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, something to take with a grain of salt. If someone's doing that to you, they recognize you are a threat. They recognize you are the problem that has to be dealt with so it's either you have to overcome it or they overcome you which is the goal so it's a compliment that's how i justify it to myself (laughs) (laughs) but it does make sense yeah i mean if yeah yeah i was just gonna say uh if we are doing spicy takes on so you want to be a paragon kid um let's do it let's get spicy well do do we want to save that and do that now because i got i got a lot of spicy takes on paragon I mean, uh, let's or do we want to save do... that to the end <laughs> i mean I've, I've only got two more questions this, this oh. is pretty easy We're all right let's up. answer those questions and okay. let's just let's just do some spicy takes at the end all right we'll do some spicy takes in it okay so uh of the three main styles of bard what is the most what is the one you used the most to get to paragon and i i want to iterate and state that from my personal opinion as a paragon i believe you have to be good at every major version of your class and be amazing at one of them 
at least just to get my like just to get a notification and that I'm like, oh, you you probably deserve Paragon if you can do every aspect of your class and are amazing at one. That's my personal opinion. But out of the three big ones, which ones do you guys recognize the most and and how they fit? Start. Uh since Yeah. <laughs> uh for me, Dervish. Uh I I personally like think uh my Dervish build is a uh active support. Um because I'm out there controlling the battlefield as effectively and viciously as I can. And uh I bank very heavily on my verbals. So um while I was part of the spearhead that we took part in on making battery bard and utility bard more frontline and midline viable, I would have to say that battle bard was definitely my my bread and butter. Uh, mastering the flipbook and applying bard's access to armor and spells and stick was something that i could turn to and be comfortable in in any situation any game anywhere against anyone um you know you you throw a couple of points on a bard who's got experienced mend and a, a full flip book and an array of control spells and the other team is going to be hurting bad if they cannot figure out how to take care of that person. And that was uh, admittedly, admittedly a little bit of a power trip for me for a while until uh, Breton and Merrick convinced me to branch out and try some other bard types. Um, but that was definitely what I love to use time and time again. Okay. Uh, the 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 three main. I I cut my teeth on battery, and I'll be a hundred percent honest. I only tried bard because uh, Grant, whose amp card name is Orin Ralnor, uh, played bard, and he had confidence, and I thought it was the coolest shit ever, and I decided that I was gonna be amazing at that. Um, I did battery bard a hundred percent. Um, so lastly to finish up our before spicy takes, which is now going to be a permanent section on this. Uh, what is one story or one thing you remember while you were on your Paragon path that you think really pointed out that you were ready for Paragon hood? Um, definitely my first spring war. Um, there was a very quick battle game type. I don't remember exactly what they called it, but it was kind of like Phoenix League. Uh, basically, you just put together a team of like eight or ten people, whatever it was, and everybody gets on the field, and you just have to move an object from the middle to the other team's corner. Goblin bomb. And uh, what? It was Goblin Bomb. I was part of that crap. Yes, that's what it was. Um, and 
Hodge and I really wanted to to play. And if if any of you don't know Hodge, he is a Paragon healer and a Paragon wizard. Uh, also, another fantastic spellcaster. We'll be but, interviewing um, him at a different time. Uh, so me me and him really wanted to play, but we didn't really have a team. And we were down there with some people who were currently doing work somewhere else for the event. Uh, so we didn't have anybody that we knew. So we just kind of grabbed whoever we could find who would agree to play with us. And we ended up with four barbarians and a monk and a scout on our team. And, you know, none of these people had, like, their top amount of armor they could wear half of them didn't have weapons so that we had to get them weapons or loan them weapons um and we ended up going against uh, who's who's charlie with Justicars. his fight company justicars uh justicars are super good in certain battle games and you know they're renowned for their battle game ability or at least they used to be they haven't been as active lately and we we ended up in a game against them and through knowledge of our classes and sheer willpower and literally grabbing people and throwing them at the enemy uh we managed to win that game by one point and we we upset them so bad that they didn't even play the next game that they had um and i think that that day just personally for me showed me that i had what it what it took to become a paragon bard and it was ultimately what inspired the next eight months that I spent getting that Paragon Bard. Awesome. Brosan, I know yours might be you were you were playing Bard very heavily during the V seven point five to V eight transition, right? Yes. Okay. So what is that story like for you getting the Paragon Bard from that fun transitional period well it's seven to eight is just two different beasts it's it's to be honest it's super hard for me to pick a moment just because it's in my opinion the moment you think you deserve it is the moment you get spiteful mm -hmm. when you don't get it uh, and I've been in that boat for like a few few of the classes, but I'll just share one from a quick story from V seven and V eight because I just don't want to use up a lot of time. But the moment I knew I, I was ready, well, I I believed I was ready when I was part of a five man team that went to. A park in Polaris and between me and four other guys took on like 35 38 people on our own <laughs> and using my bard abilities I just disrupted the middle of the field so hard the 
like they trickled into the other people and when i was dead it's they had to funnel them back in and just just how strong control spells are um but for v8 game testing v8 having my opinion like listened to or at least it felt like it was listened to uh made me feel like i was ready and uh because uh, for those who didn't know, uh, when we're transitioning into V8, uh, Silver Tongue used to give uh, Swift on all verbals. Oh. And uh, when you go out there with uh, Dervish, Silver Tongue, and just tons of shoves in a racquetball court, and you don't let two people out of the corners for a whole game. Uh, then, like, two weeks later, the spell changes. Coincidence? Maybe. I'm not going to say it. that was the thing. I'm, I assume other people figured that out, but that felt really good. So <laughs> That is, from the balance point of looking at V8 now, thinking that Silvertongue gave all swift, all verbal swift sounds terrifying. Uh, Battery Bard is the essence of backline. Other than Resbot Healer, uh, Battery Bard is a staple of backline play when it comes to kingdom and inter-kingdom battle games. Uh, Battery Bard just keeps everybody happy. Battery Bard gives people their spells back. Battery Bard makes it faster for people to get their spells back if you can't give them back or if you choose to just use Song of Power instead. Battery Bard mends people's armor. Battery Bard can heal people if it needs to. Battery Bard is uh, is exactly what it what it's called. It's literally a walking battery. Not all the time walking. Sometimes you're stuck. Yeah, sometimes you 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 stand in one spot and you don't move. So because no. you don't want to. I think we should also point out the the core spells for that is you've got to have your confidence. You should definitely take uh, restoration that is um, experienced. experienced, And then uh, Song of Power. If you're going to be a battery bard, you want those definitely. Um, It's five points to get everything to technically be a battery bard. And then everything else is just icing on the cake. Um, Yeah, so... Song of Survival or Song of Visit, uh, any Swifts or Ambulance that you take. Um, uh, if you if you want to take any Sleight of Minds or Silver Tongue, there's plenty yeah, of the support. It's, it's all optional. Um, but Battery Bard is. I know for a long time I ran Battery Bard in almost every list because it was five points. I was like, I can give up a level worth of points to always be useful. Um, I moved away from that later because especially like at small battle games, it's just not useful. It doesn't do too much. Um, I mean, no matter what level I'm playing Battery Bard at, I always uh, like to take as well an experienced mend because 
you can you can just slap like six of those on on an armored person and they're good to go again. Um. Let's see our next question. Uh, uh, Hamlet asked. You guys mentioned restoration earlier. Who are you looking to use that on? Um, your friends that are bards that are battery bards. They're going to be a real big one. Depending on the type of caster, they might be real good for wizards. Druids don't use restoration or don't need it very much because they have like four per lives total out of their entire list. Um, assassins and scouts benefit very heavily from it as well. Because it's, they, I mean, a scout has three per lives. Proton, how many per lives does a scout have? Shit, man. I'm not a paragon in that. <laughs> I know, but uh, I don't want to be. Hold person. That's true. Heal, shadow step. Uh, they have... Release. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six per lives. All right, you want to you restoration high-five them pretty <laughs> constantly. <laughs> like, assassins and scouts are going to be your best friend if you've got that restoration. Uh... Well, they won't be your best friend. You'll be their best friend. <laughs> we don't care about them. They love us. That's, yeah. that's the whole point. <laughs> they love us. Other casters, depending on their spell list, are going to like you. I know wizards, um, especially warlocks, not very popular anymore. But I know when warlock was kind of making its rounds, it was really funny to be able to give back like 35 heat weapons at a time. Because um, that was just sassy and destructive. Uh, I think, yeah, you're mostly going to want to look for wizards, other bards, assassins, and scouts. Otherwise, an empower will do just as well, I think. Um, those are the questions that we had from the audience. Let's get to these spicy takes. I want to hear these spicy takes. All right, so... Paul, do you want to go first? You want me to go first? Well, let's let's trade off. We'll we'll just go, you know, one a piece. We'll wrap it back around. Um, so, my first spicy take is: uh, doesn't matter how long you've been playing a class. Time is irrelevant. It doesn't make you a paragon. Paragons are made from blood, sweat, and tears, and you you get what you give. So. If you've been compounding your bard experience and your bard playtime at 0% interest because you don't put the time and energy in that is required of becoming a paragon, don't expect to become a paragon and don't get upset when you expect to become a paragon and you don't get it because 0 times 0 is 0. And 0 times anything else is still 0. True facts. Got to put that study time in. You can play a class like as long as you want. Is if you're not trying to actively get better at it, like not just on the field but off the field, because there are. I have a lot of memories of a bunch of amp guarders sitting at a five guys talking like meta and rules for hours. Sixteen hour drives to the oh southern states. I All theory. Focused on the spell book so much, I realized that the artwork in the spells has actual like language written in 
the the art there's a language and a, a written alphabet in it and it's static and standard that's how much we focused on the spell book is that we were like eating sleeping dreaming the spell books all right brother what's your hot what's your spicy hot take uh, you can't cheat your way to a paragon. Oh, dear yeah. God, yes. Uh, if I see you cheat on the field, I remember that. It's like, you know what? I, I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You know what? Hey, I work third shift. Sometimes I'll mumble my words. Sometimes I'll say an incant wrong. I live up to that. But at the same time, if you go around cheating every day, if people know you're a cheater, don't get upset when people say, you don't deserve something. I don't care how many wins you have or how good uh, people from not our area say you are. I know you cheat. Get good. Don't cheat. <laughs> Mini spicy take to piggyback on that one. Uh, Polaris best kingdom. Other kingdoms don't do magic as well. They it's don't okay. do the game <laughs> as well. That is a discussion... <laughs> That is actively <laughs> happening in some V9 focus group right now. And that is a different discussion that we unfortunately should not have. <laughs> Merrick, spicy take. Uh, just because a bard is better at CC does not mean you give up when you see one on the other side of the field. Um that is like my most frustrating thing ever because there are seven like i have a spell list called hype man it has basically no useful spells besides a lot of amplifications for assassins that's basically it like it's a very stupid list and i enjoy playing it because all i have to do is run around with a stick and then make assassins have a 50 foot assassinate because i think it is hysterical but there have been a couple times where I've pulled that list out. I've put my sash on and someone on the other side goes, I don't want to play. He's playing bard. Bards aren't fun. And it's like, just learn how to counter a class. If you don't know how to counter a class, ask the person playing. They probably know the answer. I guarantee if they're a paragon, they do know the answer and they should be. If able they to don't tell know you. the answer, they shouldn't be a paragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my spicy take is if don't quit playing a game because someone else is m making it hard for you to have fun. Figure out a way to beat it. Or ask them uh, how to beat it. Spicy take. Park level paragons shouldn't exist, in my personal opinion. Um, if you have not traveled outside of your park to play and prove yourself and challenge yourself against a plethora of people that you have never seen or played against before, you have not done enough to earn Paragon. You, you have not put in enough time and energy, and you have not submitted yourself to a large enough spectrum of situations to be able to consider yourself a master of the class. If you really want to master a class, travel. And I know that that is super difficult for some people. And I understand the challenges that can come with the time and money and energy that it takes to travel. But if you want to be a paragon, that means that you are going to have to put more time and energy into the game. Need to save money? Catch a ride to another park. 
make a, make some deals with some friends of yours to be able to make that travel possible. Don't have the time? Figure it out. Make the time. If you actually want to be a paragon, you won't make excuses. And it might take you longer because of certain limitations that you can't really do much about because this game is secondary to real life. But if you really, truly want to be a paragon, you'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. I, so to piggyback on that in two ways, from the opposite side of the uh, carpool, if you're going someplace, like, you know, let's say I decide I want to go to Miss on Wednesday, just put it up in your park chat like hey i'm going to mists i've got a couple extra spots somebody that wants to come come with me make it Absolutely. available if you have the capability to go places bring other people with you a it makes their time better it makes your time better and you get to converse with people you may not normally converse with it's it's a fantastic time all around for my in my opinion um second you can there are so many tips and tricks that are just like say the spells in the shower write them down repeatedly uh like take a spell book with you to work and if during your 15 minute break like read through it just there are little little moments you can use to increase and get better and uh they all add up invested time adds up over time and even if you're not, you know, taking 16-hour car rides like Balder and I got the chance to do, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes someplace else, they they add up and they make a difference. Um, if I could add to that, the way that I got so quick at doing incantations, literally any incantation, and being able to switch between them no matter what was going on, uh, as well as I have, um, I spent time in the car driving to work, driving to park, driving to friends' houses. Any amount of time that you have in the car, play music, any kind of music, whatever it is, and try to uh, try to use the beat to cut down on the amount of time that you give yourself to make an incantation. So the charging can't. Uh, I've, I've gotten myself down to the point where I can say the charging can't three times within 10 seconds. And that was all because I levied my mental focus and my speech against something else that was going on in my environment uh, other other noises and things um yeah there's there's all sorts of little tricks that you can do and there's a lot more time in your day that you can take than you realize to study up on things and practice and make yourself better Broton, spicy take. Spicy take. Uh, sort of piggybacks off of boulders, but actions speak louder than words. Uh, if you are the only one talking about how great you are, it means you're not great. Uh, there's so often I'll walk up to a circle of people talking, and one person, it's especially after, well, like by the time I got my second paragon, they would just see me and start talking about how great they are about the class they do. <clears throat> and then it's like, I look, I literally look around at other people in the circle. If no one's backing up that story, 
or talking about that, it means you're not good. <laughs> or you're not good enough. I guess that's a better way. If other people aren't talking about you, you're not good enough to be a paragon. A but that doesn't mean you shouldn't should... work. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, a true king should never have to tell you who they are. True facts. Basically. <laughs> I have other hot takes, too. Uh, if if you want me to keep going yeah, keep or going, if we're keep going, sure, I I'm it's like as you guys were talking because you guys are you make me proud. You guys are kinder than me because you're actually throwing out helpful tips. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you don't know everything. Oh God, no! I don't know don't, everything. Yeah, it's like the three of us are paragons. I I'm pretty sure all three of us will agree. We might be paragons, but we don't know everything about the class. I learn new stuff about this game every single day, whether it's for this class or not. Um, it's okay it's... to admit it is a huge thing. <clears throat> like, if you find out that you've been doing something wrong, admit it and change it, and yep. just keep going. That's one of my biggest pet peeves about from people who are going for any Paragon. Like, for Bard, I ask literally, like, Merrick asks to say, what was your path? What what are you the best at? And depending on what people say, I'm like, oh, cool. How did you innovate it? Or how do you expand on it? It's like, oh, I do this. And I'm like, then I'll throw something else that will go with it. No, I don't need to do that. As soon as I hear, I don't need to do that. And it's usually followed with like, it's not worth it or blah, blah, blah. I ask them, well, have you tried it? No, I don't need to. That just means you're not willing to expand your knowledge. And once you do that, you're a relic. You're in the past already. Cool. You didn't even hit the finish slide. You're in 12th grade and you quit senior year. Good job, kid. <laughs> That's a spicy, spicy take. Do it. Do it. Spicy take. Um, if you're not making enemies, you're not trying hard enough for Paragon. I want to uh, caveat on that in a little Broton, bit. Broton, I remember a period of time where even though I was your apprentice, I'm pretty sure you fucking hated my guts because <laughs> every single time I stepped on the field, you didn't do a damn thing. And maybe it was a little bit spiteful of me to shut you down for a short period of time, but uh, I needed to prove myself, and I wanted to do that against the person who was basically a, a a huge part of what would prove that i had proven myself oh it's it's stuff like that's what you need to do i'll admit i was a little butthurt but it's more i need to get better yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, i i can't i I, can, I cannot count on my fingers and toes the number of people in this kingdom alone who at one point or another have been so upset with me who didn't <laughs> want to play whenever i was stepping on the field with a blue sash on the number of people who left a battle game or left a park day because i played bard hey it's now, okay we all love aggro it's fine <laughs> well and, and this this isn't this isn't the goal <laughs> this isn't the overarching goal uh, is to ruin people's day but if you're going for Paragon and you're serious about it, you have to be able to prove yourself on the battlefield, as they said earlier, regardless of people's feelings. And sometimes 
that will happen. Actually, a lot of times that'll happen if you're really gunning for Paragon. And if you think that you're gunning for Paragon and you're not getting Paragon and you're confused as to why you aren't getting Paragon, take a second. Think about how many people you have upset because you were doing that much better than them in that game. And if that number is zero, you need to change something. You need to change something up. You need to learn more. You need to study up. You gotta, you gotta, just get, you gotta get good. It's, <laughs> it's one way to put it. I would like to point out, we are not endorsing you to make actual enemies. We're endorsing you to go and shut people down and do really well in a battle game. And that may be emphasizing on the fact that you are equal to or better than somebody else in the field that is really good or another paragon um i find the best way to do that is once you've gone through that battle game and made them feel bad go up to them and be like hey so i shut you down because i was legitimately terrified what would happen if you didn't be if you weren't shut down like if i didn't stop you we would have lost so i apologize you didn't have fun that game i'll target someone else next game but this was legitimately a compliment of me going, hey, you're good. I needed to stop you. And then wanna, move on. Want to double hit on that one? Yes. it's A lot of people like ask me why I'm so friendly after games. It's usually because I feel bad if I stomp someone. And it... Because no one wants to be that guy. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to be that guy sometimes especially in a class that doesn't have a kill spell we have to do cc which is a lot meaner than kills and uh i i specifically remember i got talked to by my knight about this um we were at mist of the dawn and there was this like wrestling tournament style fight going on and the warrior got tagged in after uh after his druid had enchanted him with uh troll's blood and I had two sticks and was a bard and I killed him. And then when he went to Troll's Blood, I went up behind him, put my stick between his legs, released him, and then bounced my stick back and forth until I killed him that way. And I did that four times in a row and he did not have fun. And my knight came up to me and was like, you can't do that. And I was like, but I won. Technically, I can. <laughs> Technically, I can't. I went and apologized afterwards. I was like, I'm sorry. I really wanted to win. And, and I know that wasn't super fun for you, which is why I tried to get it over as soon as possible. But like, I won't do it to you again. I felt bad, but it was also like, I know the class well enough. I know your class well enough. I will literally counter you right here. And um, quick, quick, like point to make on this whole thing, though. No matter how hard you're gunning for Paragon, it's still not acceptable to be a bully. True. If you if you True. are making people hate you because you are outclassing them, perfect, wonderful. You're proving yourself as a as a Paragon pursuer. But if you are dominating a game because you are simply going after people who don't have good experience or you're going after new players or you're dominating people who you know for a fact can't challenge you you're not going for paragon you're being a bully there's a fine line to walk there and the difference is choosing a challenge over choosing a victory mm-hmm 
hundred percent. That is uh, a very hard thing. And that's something that also has to have conversations in the sword knight path. If you're getting to the point that you, you know, have seven, eight warriors and there's not that many other people at your park that have seven or eight warriors, you probably got to tone down your stick game a little bit at park to let, you know, everyone have fun during battle games, during battle games, during, during a tournament, game. let loose. That's the whole point. Tournaments but... are a different story. But like, if uh, you are going out there as a bard and literally picking just new people to cast spells on, you're you're not you're not gunning for Paragon. You are not helping your park. Realistically, it's like, especially control spells make are the things that make people want to quit. Mm-hmm. And targeting people who have no idea what's going on. Just going back to my tactics talk earlier, when I say. I pick out like three worst people. I don't mean new people. New people, it's like I have a saying, basically your first like year, two years, I handle every new person with like gl- like mitten gloves. Like you're a sweet little little chickadee. I'm here to make sure you're having a good time. I'm talking about like cool, you're you've been here 2 3 years. Now that's when I pick out people, but But at the same time, also, even if you're going for Paragon, if you're picking the same person every week, that's just borderline into bully territory. Just saying. Bard's Bard's greatest strength is its capability to control the entire battlefield, several targets. So if you're singling one person out and you're just keeping them in a corner and not doing anything to anybody else... You're not utilizing your class. You're just being a dick. Spread the Um, hatred. Give everyone a shove. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So a lot of people, uh, even myself, uh, say that the greatest CC is death. And while I agree in a lot of cases, in Polaris, we often play games with really short death timers so that people have more fun and so that games are more interesting. So, as a bard, and having no kill spells, the greatest CC is no longer death. The greatest CC becomes, how much can I stop you from interacting with the game in order to be a problem for my team? You can't win if you're not playing. That and... <laughs> And that can become a bit of a problem in really small games with someone who's really good at playing Bard. There are tons of counters to it, but not everybody works like that when they play this game. But essentially, another point to look at if you're going for Paragon is not thinking, how can I kill this player? It's thinking, how can I make this player's influence on the game that we are currently playing as close to zero as possible? And in large battle games, the best challenge to prove yourself in is seeing how many people you can do that to at once. If you can make that image of the shark swimming through minnows and there's an empty circle of around the shark, if you can make that your life, you have succeeded because it's it's fantastic also do not cast confusing spell combos at new players 
also make sure that teams are properly balanced if you're going to be running ring the bell and there's a bard <laughs> <laughs> don't there's a lot of problems with playing target based like single target objects with a bard because like even a heavy point object, objective oh heavy objects <laughs> just become very uh one-sided if there's not a counter to the bard on the other team because like i distinctly remember at et like within the last well i guess it's not a year now because it's 2020 damn that anyways i had a chest in my hands that was a heavy object and we had like 12 people on the field against a team of four or five and they were all wolves and wolves are actually kind of scary monsters in packs and i just walked the entire way and just cast at everyone did not care it it worked but i like broke the game doing that and then I did it the, the way back a different way. So if you're going to, that's another thing. Once you get Paragon, you can't stop learning. That's my spicy take. Don't stop trying to get better once you get Paragon. You can't get the award and then stop being good. That's like taking a white suitcase. That's the silver suitcase. You're taking a silver suitcase. You've got that Paragon. Now you stop being good. Don't do that. Get better. The, the one, the one, the one quote that I like to apply in that sense is, uh, "Once a king, always a king. Once a knight, never enough." Um, if if you were truly passionate about getting your paragon, you're not just going to drop it. You're not just going to stop playing. You're not just going to stop trying to get better just because you got it. There are plenty of people who have gotten paragons, who that's how they acted you know that they got it and then they just dropped it immediately stopped playing didn't care anymore got what they wanted don't be uh, that person one be of the passionate reasons, one of the it. reasons i take my apprentices is because they keep they keep me going they keep me learning they allow me to bounce ideas off of them and it's like like these two right here merrick and balder i can easily say they they are better bards than me they took the drive that helped me get mine and they expanded on it. But at the same time, by them learning, it helped me learn more and it helped my drive keep going. So it's just keep going. <laughs> the journey's never over. And even if you, even if you, you're somebody like Broton who wants to, you know, get a paragon and then immediately start going for another paragon. That doesn't mean you just drop the class that you just got paragoned in. You can use all of those skills and everything that you learned getting that paragon and apply it to another class in so many ways. And dropping a class and all of its potential and all of the experience and knowledge you gained from getting paragon in that class in order to pursue a different one is such a huge waste. Mm-hmm. I got a spicy take that's less spicy. It's it's like buffalo hot sauce. Um, <laughs> if you're not teaching as a paragon or you're not teaching as you're preparing to become a paragon, you're not doing it right. True. Paragon is kind of like knighthood. You got to start spreading the wealth and making, making sure that the game continues. And like you may think you're the best right now, 
But if you teach somebody else that stuff, they might see something you didn't notice and make it even better. And if you're not willing to teach or or help make your class better overall, you probably shouldn't be focusing on Paragon. In like you could be focusing on being a really good player, but Paragon comes with the weight of teaching and training and helping, like knighthood. Um, and Broton here's got both of them. Yeah. <laughs> Spicy take. Gatekeeping means that you don't care about the game. You only care about yourself. So if you're gonna gatekeep, maybe just fucking don't we should identify the difference between gatekeeping and standards because that is a legitimate discussion going around amp card right now um what is the difference between gatekeeping uh they're talking about award standardization on national amp card level but what what is the difference between gatekeeping and a, a standard to something like we have the standard that you have to win a kingdom uh weapon master or dragon ma or weapon master to get your uh eighth or ninth warrior whatever it is like that's a standard is that gatekeeping or is that a standard is one of the questions going around so when when you say gatekeeping balder what are you talking about exactly uh so for me personally gatekeeping versus having standard um having a standard means that you have a goal in mind that something needs to meet in order to get a reward it's attainable it is something that you know uh, uh, that that people can achieve and it allows coming generations in the game to learn and grow and achieve what you have achieved to become as good as you are gatekeeping is getting to the top and then trying to make sure that no one else can get to the top as well or get go, get past you um and so gatekeeping doesn't come with goals gatekeeping doesn't come with a, achievable objectives gatekeeping is keeping information so that you can keep your power and so you know the, the the best thing for this game that you can possibly do and if you are really passionate about being a good player is to have a standard and not be a gatekeeper because if you actually give a shit about the game and you actually give a shit about challenging yourself and growing and learning and being the best player that you can be everybody else needs to get better too you can't get better without challenging yourself and if you're at the top and you make sure that no one else gets up there with you you can't challenge yourself and if anything you're just going to get worse because you don't have anyone challenging you that makes sense broton you got anything to say on that um well it's i've been accused of gatekeeping i've been accused of having too high of standards <clears throat> But at the same time, like, in my heart of hearts, I, if everyone who wants to be a Paragon could be a Paragon, I would, I want them to be. But at the same time, we have a standard of what a Paragon is 
whenever we lower that bar, it lessens what it is. And I don't care who the person is. I might, it's like, I might dislike the person, like severely dislike the person if they hit all the check marks, which the majority of people in our kingdom have. It's like, I'll admit, I only personally think 80% of our paragons are up to my standard of what a paragon is. Uh, other were through nepotism, and it's just, let's just do it to them because they played it, but that's for the monarch to give out at the time, and it's their prerogative. But no one should gatekeep. Everyone should have the opportunity and ability to achieve it. And if someone thinks they're being held back, literally go talk to other paragons of the class. Everyone, it's like all the, well, we've only made two bards uh, after me, and it was you two. But mm -hmm. it's like we, every time we sat down, we talked about what you could do better and where we could go from there. And people who were go are going for bard would sit down and ask and ask me my opinion. And I tell them, these are literally the things you got to do. And I'm super upfront about it because it's like, it's not even just bar. I mean, not even the ones I'm paragon in. I usually get asked about other ones and I give my opinion on it. And it's, I'm forefront on everyone about where they are in their abilities. It's, if you think someone's holding you back, talk to people. It's the majority of people in our region are very reasonable and are upfront about how they feel. And it's like, I only, I mean, to be honest, I only know like three people who are gatekeepers in our kingdom, but they don't have any power, so they could suck a dick. Uh, well, that's what happens when you gatekeep. You don't get any better, so you drop off validity because everybody yep. else is busy challenging themselves and getting better. So that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> so here, here's a secondary question that's kind of tied to that. Do you and Broton, you have been monarch of Polaris before. So I know what you did when you asked about paragons. But other kingdoms use the circle of paragons to vote in new paragons. Um, do you think Polaris should adopt something similar to that? Similar to the way the COK works, where the monarch has ultimate say, but the uh, COP would have a... Uh, recommendation list essentially depends on if people would agree to keep a standard uh, it's like my biggest problem is not every paragon or not every person in our kingdom has the same standard as I do and it's literally when I'm told you have to have a standard and you're holding people to a standard that's not achievable I hold people to the exact same standards I, I hold myself to. I held you both to the same standard, and you guys excelled at it. So, I, in a smaller circle, I would agree with it, because then it's like, the smaller the circle is to begin with, the easier everyone can agree on what it is, but at the same time, from the circle of paragons I know from other kingdoms, it just becomes a giant circle jerk, and like, we have control over this, which... Whenever you give people power, that's usually what happens. Nepotism breeds nepotism. Yeah. Because they don't have standards. 
So we to meet. Right. Okay. So if there were standards, if there was a more standardized version of describing what Paragon was, a circle might be a better choice. If I mean those standards well, are like written in the rule books. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer that than what I used. I mean, you know, I basically ran it through the circle of monarchs, which is just another circle. I rather go to like people who I agree with that are good at the class and talk to them about that instead of the monarchs who are there just to run things. So I agree in principle, but until there's an agreed upon standard, I'm not in favor of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in my personal opinion, it's extremely difficult to think of standards that you can actually make into a rule like a written rule of like you have to achieve this or you can't be a paragon um because it's all speculative you know it's it's all opinion of whether or not the kingdom society believes that somebody has done a good enough job to achieve paragon and at the same time that it causes problems like nepotism or favoritism uh, and you know people who perhaps don't deserve a paragon get it or people who perhaps deserve a paragon don't get it it's still such a difficult thing to put into a physical framework of written rules uh, because of the infinite capability and dynamic that can happen in this game because of the player aspect like if players added nothing and every single class was exactly what that class is on paper yeah sure it would be super easy you could make things kill based you could make things time based you could make things spells successfully cast based or you could make things games one based but the problem with doing that when people are thrown into the mix is that everybody brings something different to the game and you can't really put a measure to that without excluding people who would otherwise meet standard and including people who otherwise would not. Okay, so I don't know if you guys know about this, and I mentioned it to Boulder earlier, um, but there is a rules committee... uh, uh, an awards, sorry, sorry, not a rules committee, an awards standardization committee from Ampgard International that's actually looking into a battle game night path. What are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I'll let Boulder go first. <laughs> oh no, that's all I wanted to say for well, now. Difficult. It's going to be difficult. I mean, I've heard multiple different like theories behind it. Uh. I mean, to be honest, I mean, are we talking about just the battle game knight or the other branch to a sword knight? So as far as I know, there is a committee looking at the secondary branch of a sword knight and a different committee looking at the possibility of a of a battle game knight, which would be an entirely different branch. It'd be its own actual belt. To be honest, I I am cool with either one. I would prefer just having another route to a sword knight myself uh, just because it's the only knighthood that is only one path 
compared to the three others that have multiple paths leading into it. Well, technically, well, Crown, it's like you used to just have to be like enough times in office and usually kingdom office like king or queen. But now it's just all offices, depending on the region you're in, which is a whole headache in its own sense. But, um, and everything can give a crown, order the crown now, if you read the fine print. Um, Up to a certain but, point, but yeah. Yes. Uh, well, you can get an order of the crown for being like a guild master of barbarians. Any Anything. And you run fighter practices. Yeah, you can get that by what the wording is. Okay, so up up until five, six, and seven, you can basically get it for most things, I believe, correct? Yeah. yeah. After that, you have to start actually serving in kingdom level offices. Well, up to like duchy and principality, but yeah. Um, but I I instead of making a new one, I rather just have branching off one we already have existing because. Because I don't trust people, and I know like a few four belted knights that were just given their last belt just because Bill did really well for the kingdom. Let's just give them the last thing, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm worried, if we make a new belt, there's going to be a bunch of like new knights just to round off the thing, you know, mm-hmm. which I think will lessen it. Well, and Paragon is such a speculative title already that until we address the challenge of making set standards written down for achieving Paragon, it's going to make an entire belt path that is completely speculative and not at all effort or work-based, at least on paper. And that will cause a massive problem in the integrity of knighthood in the game interesting i i like the the discussion this and it started um so uh the com voted uh no could i I just uh speak up really quick here yeah yeah uh we haven't talked about bard for a while do we want to go back to bard (laughs) well this seems like a completely different conversation. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I would love to have this conversation. But it's like if people are tuning in, if you're doing this as a podcast, and it's talking about par- we'll level six art. half as some, some spicy takes and some extra stuff, I think. Um, okay, just, just throwing that out there. To, to talk about on Bard? Some things that you'd like to point out to people that are level six and want to get that paragon what are you know the things that they would do well for me uh it's usually like a trifecta uh you gotta gotta look the part and by look the part is have your own style it's like for me i have garb set aside for my bard stuff like i do like a scald like biking type look uh it's like you have something to designate like for me, like Bard Broton's different from uh, Wizard Broton. When I'm Wizard Broton, I'm out there with like my surcoat and like I have a wand sometimes. Sometimes I have like magic rings on or power gun like that. Where my Bard 
It's like I tend to dress in all blue because I like to call myself uh, Broton the Blue Bard in my head. And I just like go out like more Viking-ish stuff. It's like I'll go out there with my Viking shield cover and stuff like that because then it can help me embody what I'm portraying on the field. And then spells. You got you to know your spells. You got to be effective with your spells. You got to be worth like... Like I said earlier, it's like like re being reasonable, it's three to five people. I personally think the majority of paragons in our kingdom that I I say are paragons are worth five people. And I like I'll take them five over five like randos any day. Um then lastly, for every uh, class it's different. Uh, the third aspect in my for my view uh, for bard it is it's leadership control it's like how well you as Baldur said earlier how well you conduct the battlefield because it doesn't matter which build you're doing a bard should be able to influence the field greater personally than other spellcasters where a healer is out there, yeah, healing and like popping people back up, but they they're not warping how the battlefield works. Or a druid's out there throwing enchantments, yeah, they're out there making monsters, but at the same time, it's it pushes out and doesn't move in. If you know, if you think of a battlefield like a wave, mm-hmm. a bard is moving with the wave. Other classes are spearheading or pulling in. They're not doing both at the same time. Makes sense. Balder, any uh, final tips or things that you'd recommend for people that want to get to that that Paragon? Um, just because it's such a big part of what sets you aside as a Paragon, uh, probably the biggest thing would just be travel and study. Um. You know, anybody can learn their class. Anybody can be good at playing a class. But knowing all of the little niche things that your class can do and all of the little niche interactions that your class can have with other classes uh, it makes you that much better than anybody else who's playing your class. And being able to, as a person, as a player, interact, react... Uh, act proactively uh, with any other player on the field regardless of their class is definitely an aspect of a paragon that can only come from practice and intimate knowledge of the game and how it operates and the best way to get that is through travel you know if you're staying at your park and you're playing against the same eight people and you're playing with the same eight people every single time every single week, week after week, year in, year out, you're only going to be able to get as good as the people around you, and you're only going to be able to learn how to operate within the situations that that group of people can present to you. So if you travel to other parks, to other kingdoms, whatever you're capable of doing, I know that sometimes that can be hard, you will be able to present yourself with new situations, new people, new ideas, 
new play styles. Uh, if if people at your park never play monk, if nobody at your park plays monk ever, you've never played against a monk until you travel somewhere that somebody plays a monk. So traveling is the best way to present yourself with new challenges and to test your growth as a player, especially on the path to Paragon. And if you're not traveling, you know, spicy take, you don't want Paragon. All right. Um, I think that covers everything we've got. Every, all the questions I got, we got a bunch of spicy takes in there. I will uh, uh, cut some of this and put it in a, a separate uh, audio thing because we did get off topic there for a while. I really enjoyed the off topic discussions though. So 100% honesty. Um, but I think this has been a very successful and enlightening two hour long discussion about how to become a Paragon Bard from level six. Uh, this we posted up on the Polaris Facebook page sometime this week. Um, any final words to the Polaricons and the Polaricans and, and Amp Garters? I have two things, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, just to help people understand who are listening to this from Polaris and outside of Polaris. Whenever we talk about the Polaris Paragon, uh, I really want to hit home. It's like least a lot of the paragons i know we focus on the battlefield it's like how effective you are on the battlefield compared to just like questing or anything else it's like when i travel around talking to other paragons and other kingdoms they oh yeah i did this really cool thing at a quest once and a lot of people thought i did really well and blah it's like that's cool don't get me wrong i i love i love stories like that i love stories but at the same time, cool, you're a good quest bard or you're a good quest whatever. I personally think uh, players is very mil- militaristic when it comes to our actions. When we travel doing things like that, we move as a kingdom, we fight as a kingdom. Uh, our units are as good as we want from our kingdom. And... Uh, period on that and the last thing is yeah if anyone has any uh questions or on any advice uh i'm happy to answer anything and not mean to speak for you too i'm pretty sure you guys are happy to answer questions too so of course yeah um you know as broton said uh i'm i'm happy to answer questions help people out talk about bard stuff uh bard is my favorite class for a reason um but, uh, you know, I, I personally believe that if I'm not trying to actively help the people around me to get better, then I'm not giving myself any opportunity to become better myself. Um, but the, uh, the last thing that I will say to leave you all with is uh, a lot of people believe that in order to be tactically sound and tactically superior and you know, to, to have a perfect tactical edge on the battlefield and in battle games, etc. It requires genius, requires high intellect, things like that. Um, I'm here to tell you that it does not at all. Because 
all tactics are is an extrapolation on the data that you know for fact is you know part of the game part of whatever it is that you're doing we play a game so all you have to do is learn what the rules are learn what your class does learn what other classes do learn how they affect your class and how your class affects that class if you learn this very limited amount of data you can extrapolate on that data on that information much easier than if you don't know it so if you want to be good at this game the first step is to learn how to play because unfortunately something that i notice every time i travel to other kingdoms is that a large number of people an unfortunate number of people do not learn fully how to play the game they don't understand how a lot of the rules work they don't understand how classes work outside of the classes that they themselves have played and then they get upset when they don't perform well or when they don't get paragon or when they get a paragon and another paragon comes from another kingdom and wipes the floor with them all you have to do is learn the rules everything else is up to whatever else you want to do but you can't do anything else unless you know what the rules are all right uh this has been two hours basically on the nose of uh uh us talking about bards parion bard class um I will continue to do series like this in the future, and uh, everything I do will be posted up on um, YouTube and the Polaris page. So follow for more stuff. Um, thank you, Broton and Balder, for joining me tonight, and we'll uh, see you all next time. <laughs>